Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. Hey, thanks for tuning into the podcast. This is a special podcast we put together for you to enjoy on Sunday. Has some of the best interviews we did on the radio show with some really terrific guests that come on daily. You can hear these live during the week on your local radio station or at Bongino.com. Find out where you can listen to the show. Go to our Bongino.com website and just click on Station Finder. It's that simple. And you can always listen at the website, of course. With cyber attacks on the rise, protecting your data security is more important than ever. So why is Congress considering a law that puts your data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill shifts billions in consumer spending to less secure payment networks, all so that corporate megastores can make bigger profits. Don't let Durbin Marshall steal your data. Visit handsoffmyrewards.com security and tell your senators to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Paid for by Electronic Payments Coalition. First up today is an interview with Dave Portnoy, El Presidente of Barstool Sports. The leftist site Business Insider did a hit piece on Dave, and he says none of it's true. He made his case last week on our show. This was, this was something to listen to. Uh, listen on your own and make your own decision. Check this out. I want to welcome to the show for the first time um, El Presidente, Barstool Sports, One Bite Pizza, got an empire underneath you. Dave Portnoy. Dave, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. So, Dave, I got to tell you, I was pretty impressed. I saw you on Tucker's show the other night, and you said, uh, you know, I'm willing to go on any show and defend myself against this business insider piece. I texted my producer. I said, see if I'll come on our show. And you said yes. So uh, thanks for doing it. We appreciate it. Um, give us a story and an update on what happened. I, I read this piece. You got out there in front of it right away. You did a live. I saw it on social media. You did not hide from it. What's the status? What's going on? So, yeah, I mean, the real brief part, I, I was uh, the subject of a hit piece from Business Insider that was about eight, nine months in the work. And it, I've had a lot of hit pieces written about me over the past decade, two decades, whatever. This one was different in nature. Uh, it basically, without accusing me specifically, made me sound like I was a sexual deviant. Sensational headlines, um, really graphic, horrific stuff. I knew it was coming because virtually every single girl that I've ever interacted with or a woman that I've been connected with on social media, whether it's Instagram, Twitter, well, you name it, the reporter I was told is reaching out to all these girls, being like, do you have any dirt on Dave Portnoy? We've heard things. We want stories. So I knew it was coming because uh, so many people reached out to me, people I didn't even know. Be like, what is this all about? So I knew it was coming, and it was bad when you read it. Um, and basically, there's two allegations in it, uh, two anonymous sources. Nobody's named. I know who the two uh, women, who they are. Uh, I vehemently deny any wrongdoing. It was 100% consensual sex, all legal. Uh, I don't know why it's a story. And I've been able to actually provide proof of at least one of the two allegations, um, which there's, there's so many different spots. But the quick story um, you know, she, she said that it's a mother who complained uh, and said the girl came over to my house. Uh, we hooked up and then she fell into a depression and basically I used her. All lies, 100 percent lies to the point I have documented proof of me staying in contact with the girl after she came over my house. She said she had a great time. She said she was bragging about being with me, gave me her cell phone 48 hours after the fact. Like, there was zero 
nothing, no red flags, nothing. It was a totally consensual and fun experience, and I have the proof to back it up. Um, in addition to that, NBC News at one point, because they said this happened in Nantucket where I live, the Nantucket police chief came forward and said, we have no record of a police incident, anything about this. Um, I tweeted that out and Business Insider instantly rebutted that. And they said, there is a police report, we have it. So now they did not include the police report of this supposed incident in the original article. They had it, they didn't put it in there. The reason, when you read the police report, it reads like an Onion article. You can't make this up, but it essentially is a mother saying, um, I've heard Dave Portnoy goes to the local cookie shop, and he has different girls in there every single time. I hear Dave Portnoy ask girls if they're 18 before he sleeps with them. That's a lie, by the way. I don't do that. I'm not like hunting 18-year-old girls, as she tried to make it sound. But even... If it was true, that actually kind of proves my innocence since that's legal in this country. But I, that, that she just made that up. And then she also says the daughter basically had no memory of anything. Like she came over my house. Black, this is in the police report. It, the, 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 the daughter came over my house, blacked out, doesn't remember anything. Yet the Business Insider article has all these details which are totally made up from the subject, from the accuser. So you have a police report that is directly, directly contradicting what they're saying. And by the way, they spent eight and a half months going through my entire life. I'm talking anybody I've ever been connected with. I'm not right. like, I'm, I'm a fairly well-known single male. And this was one of the two sources that I was able to disprove in a second, in a second with concrete facts. Haven't updated the story. I offered... Um, business insider. I said, come on with me, talk. You can bring whoever you want. You can have your own cameras, your own video people, um, and you can use it for your own purposes. Just, I'd like to ask how you can, how you're reporting this about me when there's direct facts that contradict it that you were in possession of. Um, so that's one of the accusers. The second one, who I also know who it is, um, she came over. We had talked for a month and a half. Totally consensual again. Um, and as we, is the first time we hung out after speaking for a month and a half. And the more we got to know each other, just didn't, we didn't vibe for a variety of reasons. And we didn't hook up again. It was, it had nothing to do with what took place there. I never heard a word after the fact. This girl has identified in the, in the article, they said she's fear, she didn't say her name because of fear of repercussion. She's on social media identifying herself and linking to her Instagram hashtag to social media, like to, to trending topics and is in her own comments saying, I never said it wasn't consensual. I never said it was rape or anything like she's basically saying, yeah, it was totally consensual. Those are their two sources in eight yeah. and a half months of research. Um, there's a lot more to it. That's just the bottom line. Uh, the, uh, I'm very closely associated, associated with Penn national which uh, right. bought like 36% of Barstool Sports. It's a publicly traded company. This hit piece dropped on the same day as our earnings. Further, the day before, there was an incredible amount of shorting activity. You can bet for or against the stock. For some reason, all of a sudden, everyone was betting against Penn. Well, when the hit piece dropped, it went down instantly an additional 10%. Somebody somewhere made a ton of money, a ton of money. So that is in, in, by the way, the CEO of Business Insider is his name, Henry Blodgett, was literally banned by the SEC 
for fraud. For he, he back in the day, he would basically say publicly, this stock is great. And then he had emails saying the stock stunk. So he's stolen money. Dave, did I hear you right? That that people were shorting the stock the day before? Yeah. Because that's a pretty big deal. That's a huge huge deal. deal. Huge. I mean, that's that that sounds to me that there could be some criminality involved in that. There is it. it, it, I don't want to sound like crazy, but like conspiracy. I've never been nothing like this has ever happened. I mean, even now, this the Penn stock was down like they missed earnings, but there's tons of gambling stocks and you can see how they all kind of move. Penn was going to be down no matter what, like it would have been down a little, would it have been down 20% without the hippies? Not a chance in the world. And, but it, and I got some ice to sell you. If somebody is telling me that they just happened to drop this on Penn earnings day, there's 365 days in a year. It dropped on yeah. Penn earnings day. Get out of here. Dave, let me. We're talking to Dave Portnoy of Barstool Sports and uh, the fantastic uh, One Bite Pizza, by the way, which uh, you can't keep in stock anywhere near me. You started a revolution in the whole pizza business. Dave, why do you think you're a target as often as you are? I mean, I, I have my guesses. People assume your politics. You never have openly talked about you're not a political guy. You you do sports. You'll appear on shows that do politics, but it's not political segments. I've watched you on Tucker. They are not commenting on Joe Biden. You're there to talk about culture issues and sports, which is what you do. Is it that it's assumed you're a Republican again, but you've never said, and I'm not saying that about you either. Or is it the fact that, listen, I, I enjoy Barstool. You guys are irreverent. You're funny. You know, you celebrate manhood and sports and, and all the things we like about competition and meritocracy. I mean, what is it? Why do you always have the bullseye on your back? So we've had a bullseye for a long time. Um, and, you know, it, it's interesting, but it, it, I don't want to bore the reader, but for a long time. Uh, we never heard anything when I started the company. And then we did this, this basically concert tour, called it the Blackout Tour. And we got protest at one stop and a small group of women said, because the girls were dressing like booty shorts and dance around like an EDM concert. And ever since then, the same group of people would be like, oh, they're, you know, sexist and whatever. I've denied it time and again, and I've never apologized for what I, what I believe in. We've made some jokes that certainly have not landed, and you can't make them now, but there's a group of people, and it's the same small group of writers. They rotate from, uh, you know, the Daily Beast, the Deadspin, the who knows, who are the same group, all friends, who have written the same hit pieces over and over and over. So we always have the underlying, like, you know, people who had a problem with us, a lot of times it's crazy. I just like, these are just jealous people, like jealous, like journalists. We're not necessarily journalists. We just try to make people laugh. But it escalated times a gazillion when Trump got elected. And as you said, I've never said my politics. I think people would actually be surprised to learn my politics. But we people have uh, who don't like him have associated me with him and Republicans, and they don't look at anything I say, do, listen. Tucker Carlson, I've gone on his show a bunch. They don't listen to what I say on that show. They just, oh, he goes on Tucker Carlson. If you don't like him, you don't like me with no effort to pay any attention to anything I say. And, you know, I have people, hey, you want to repair your image, maybe don't go on Tucker Carlson or don't interview President Trump, which I did. And I will never 
bow to that type of pressure. I will never do it. The president of the United States asked me to interview him. Of course, I'm going to interview him. Guess what? If Biden invited me to interview him, I don't interview him. Tucker Carlson, I do my research. I make informed decisions. He's been good to me. He's fair to me. I go on his show. If you want, and that's why I said I'll go on his show. If CNN or NBC, that's actually the shows I want to go on because the, the, it's crazy in this country. The only people who will invite me on their shows or programs generally are, are like-minded with me. I want somebody who disagrees with me because I want to hear their answers to what I just said to you. Like, I don't care whether you hate me or love me. If I show you DMs of this girl after the fact in the police report, how can anybody justify what, what this article was? And by the way, the article, the girl who wrote it, the woman, she deleted her entire Twitter history before she did it. My lawyers say that's because she doesn't want proof she had an agenda when she wrote it. And they put the thing behind a paywall and monetize it. So a lot of people don't like me. And if you say, hey, we have these stories about Dave, pay to read it. It's a money play. It's disgusting. Yeah. Yeah. Dave, uh, you're, uh, you're a man of your word. You said you'd go on any show. I, I Candidly, I didn't think you'd come on. And uh, Jim said, no, he's agreed to come on. So you weren't kidding. Thank you for your time. And uh, listen, good luck, seriously, with all of your business endeavors. Uh, I'm not kidding. That one bite pizza. I, I know uh, you're, you're an entrepreneur and uh, they're having a tough time keeping it on the shelves. You've got that. You've got Barstool. You've got a lot going on. Uh, thanks for coming yeah, on and, uh, and defending yourself, man. Thank you. The one thing, and I'm sure I'm out of time, but the one thing I'd say with the one beat, one bite pizza, the one thing we've been able to do to thank the fans, how cancel culture survives is by threatening advertisers. Our audience has been great. The silent majority can't stay silent. They can't. They have to support. They That's the only way you can cancel somebody, if the fans don't stick up for what they believe in. Well, you've got a lot of fans, Dave, and they certainly aren't taking. They're not bending the knee in front of anyone. Thanks for coming on, man. Really appreciate it, Dave. And thanks for what you did with the restaurant fund, too. You know, we were happy to help out. You did a great job. You got it. That was Dave Portnoy, folks. You got it. A Barstool Sports. That was Dave Portnoy of Barstool Sports. He was on the radio show last week. We got another great interview coming up with an amazing guest. You're going to need to familiarize yourself with. Please, you don't want to miss it. If you're looking for a firearm that's easy to transport, you got to check out the U.S. Survival Rifle from Henry Repeating Arms. It's a portable rifle you can put together and take apart in a few minutes. And then when you're not using it, you can store the parts in the little case it comes in. It's so small, it can be stored anywhere, in a go bag, anywhere. It's light enough to carry everywhere. comes in black and two different camo patterns. You can pick one up for three dollars to $400, depending on the finish. You can watch a few videos at henryusa.com survival. And while you're there, be sure to order their free catalog. Henry makes more than 200 rifles, shotguns, and revolvers, and they're all made in America, backed by a lifetime satisfaction guarantee and the best customer service in the business. Go to their website. It's henryusa.com, and be sure to order a free catalog. They'll send it with free decals on a list of dealers in your area. That's henryusa.com for a free catalog and decals and to see the Henry U.S. Survival Rifle. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. This past week, we had one of our most inspirational guests we've ever had on the show, Shamika Michelle. She's a contributor to Jason Whitlock's great podcast, Fearless, and she has an incredible, incredible story rising up from really troubling circumstances in her past. 
She's a great commentator on race and culture. Listen to this incredible guest. You're going to love this. Shamika Michelle. <laughs> this putrid's, you know, sometimes I forget. I've heard that so many times now. You know how it just, it is, you know what I'm saying? You hear something a lot, you just forget the putrid swamp. I know you shouldn't laugh at your own stuff. It's ridiculous. Let me not waste any time. I want to get to an amazing guest. And believe me, I am not overhyping or overselling the power of Shamika Michelle, who lit up my show unfiltered on Fox so much so I had to stop answering emails about her. Shamika, welcome to the radio show this time. We appreciate your time. Thank you for having me, Dan. I appreciate of- that. Oh, my gosh. I appreciate you. I, you went on my Fox show and you ruined my whole weekend. The whole weekend, I'm answering emails about Shamika Michelle. Where did you find Shamika? I didn't find Shamika Michelle. She's been out there forever. I just saw a clip. You were amazing. You have been an outspoken advocate against uh, Bull. Oh, you fill in the rest and a lot of this CRT nonsense. And um, one of the things we addressed on the show is this critical race theory, how you found it offensive and, uh, tr- you know, trying to teach your daughter this and how they play these euphemisms games, Shamika. You know, they change the name of it and they kind of move it around. Uh, you know, what do you find so offensive about critical race theory? I know what I think, but the audience wants to hear what you think. For one, I find it offensive that they act as if black kids can't do anything. They want to teach us that we're oppressed. They want to teach us that we can't be in the academically challenged classes. So they just want to get rid of all of them. That's what's offensive to me as if we are. I mean, you can train a dog. So if you can train a dog to sit and stay, to roll over, you can't train a black child to excel. Like That's what's offensive to me is that they're saying, oh, we can train a dog but you black kids is just too bad for you i don't like that and i don't like that they are making it seem as if white children just come out the womb excelling smart privileged that's foolishness to me so that's what i find very offensive and to add that they are insulting us as if that shouldn't be offensive You know, again, it doesn't matter what you call it. What are you teaching? What are the uh, components of what you're teaching? That's a problem. And to act as if we can't figure that out as parents, that everybody on the right is just a country bumpkin and doesn't know any better, that's offensive. Now, I'm a country bumpkin. I like chow chow on my collard greens, but... (laughs) <laughs> we that doesn't mean we're not intelligent. <laughs> we're talking to Shamika Michelle, author, uh, contributor on on cultural issues, and uh, just a very very smart, intelligent person. I really respect um, Shamika. You know, one of the things I really liked about your appearance on my show this past weekend is, listen, you're not pulling punches with you know either side of the political aisle on any of these issues. You know, the country does have a history with race. And a lot of it's pretty darn disturbing. I mean, Jim Crow was real. It's not a fairy tale. Slavery was real. And, you know, we do have a history in our past, sadly, that should be highlighted. Because if you don't acknowledge your history and some of the horrors of it, you're doomed to repeat it again. But the way to correct and not repeat those mistakes is literally to not repeat the mistakes. I mean, teaching kids in critical race theory to not figuratively, but literally judge each other by the color of their skin and not their character and actions towards each other is exactly repeating the mistakes of the past, is it not? 
It's the exact same thing. Correct. They just want to put one this time over the other. And I say, you know, when I saw Congress going in with those kente cloths around their neck, to me, I saw white hoods. It is the same thing with the Democrats. They just like to play these games to, of division. So if we're going to come together and actually judge each other by the content of our character, we got to stop them. Anytime we see this, we have to stop it in its tracks, period. And, and Shamika, we're talking to Shamika, Michelle. You know, what I've always found offensive, I've run for office a couple times before is, the way you say, and never, a lot of people do this, politicians on both sides. Yeah, I'm not absolving either party. I want to be clear. But you see it a lot on the Democrat side. The way they talk about black voters, like you said in the beginning, like like they're animals, like they're too dumb to figure things out. Like when you do these man on the street interviews with a lot of these rich white liberal kids, you're like, hey, I, you know, wh- why is voter ID racist? And you hear all these just absurd things out of their mouths that are so patently offensive. Well, you know, uh, black people don't know how to get IDs. They don't know where the DMV is. And you're like, have you ever met a black person? Like, where, what planet are you living on where, where people who are black don't know how to get IDs? And yet this is considered perfectly acceptable behavior on the left. Exactly. They act as if like I had to check my own ankles to see if I had a ball and chain because I'm thinking I thought I was free. I didn't know I would leave my house and somebody would come riding up on a horse wondering how did I get out? I mean, I had to check myself. I I think I was free. I feel free, but I don't know I was free. That's how the Democrats treat us. Like I thought I was free. (laughs) <laughs> you know, since since I came into the world, I've been free. So it's crazy the way that Democrats are allowed to talk and people rarely check them on it. And they think that on the right, oh, we're just so uptight. No, we actually see that what you're saying is crazy. And so we're going to point it out. I know I am every chance I get. We're talking to Shamika Michelle. Shamika, you have a, a very powerful personal story. Um, it's not that you don't have as, you know, the, the buzz term on the left is the lived experience. Well, if anyone's lived an experience, it's been you. I mean, your story is incredible. And that's why I, I wanted you on the Fox show. I wanted everybody to see and hear what you were about. But your story is pretty powerful. Um, if, if you're if you're just comfortable giving giving the audience an idea of, you know, how you got to this point in your life and what happened to you, I, we'd appreciate it. Well, I was, I'm a product of rape. So my mother was raped at 14. I was born to her at 15. And I just always say I was never given an excuse to be less than. Like that was never a a go ahead to be a failure. If anything, she made sure that I understood that, okay, yes, I may not have been planned. My way of getting here was not ideal, but I was here and I had one life and I needed to, to live that life and put it to good use. So I just feel like that I have a purpose for being here. I think that there, nothing happens just by happenstance. And so I've come this far and I've been through so much. I've done so much in life. I have a very colorful story for anyone that actually wants to look into it all. 
but I, I've overcome. And so I just feel like I don't have to sit and sing, we shall overcome anymore. We have overcome as a people so much. That's the only reason I'm here. I'm able to have a conversation with you is because of the things and the strides that we've made as a people. Uh, not just in the black community, but in America, period. So we can't overlook those things, you know. And so I'm, I'm one of these people that I'm, I say, hey, look, if I can do it, anybody can do it. And I truly believe that, which is why I want us to keep speaking out. A lot of times we hear people on the right saying, oh, well, black people vote 90 percent Democrat all the time. Well, that's true. But. I think a lot of it is just because we don't know and we don't have the information. So I think the more you're giving information and you see what side or who or how you can actually get out of those low places, you'll begin to do that. And I just really feel like if I did, anybody can. Let me say first, I, um, I, I mean, me and I can, I can see my producer on camera where, we're in awe of your personal story. I mean, it, what you had to, you know, overcome, and 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 you and and your mother, and 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 that you've gotten to this point and been such a success, um, it's just so beyond impressive. I'm like, for the first time in a long time, at a loss for words. I always talk too much, um, but I, I agree with what you said at the end too. I, I ran for office in Maryland, which has the largest population of well-to-do black donors anywhere in the country. The largest. Um, population of upper middle class black voters is in Prince George's County, Maryland. And we would go and knock on doors and eventually we kind of, you know, play this little game because no Republican had knocked on doors there in forever. And we started knocking on doors and we'd tell people we were Republicans first. And a lot of times we'd get kind of a cold response, Shamika. And then what we started doing is people would ask, you know, are you a Republican or a Democrat? We'd say, let me just talk to you for a minute. And then you tell me what I am. And then we would just talk about, you know, you know, God, country, economic opportunity, you know, low taxes and things like that, school choice. And I can't tell you how many people were like, oh, yo, you're a Democrat. And I was like, no, no, I'm a I'm a Republican. And it kind of buttresses your point here and reinforces your point that if you don't talk to people and tell them what you stand for, they have no idea what the damn party stands for because you didn't talk to them. And that's what's frustrating. Exactly. Exactly. I had no idea, actually, that I was more conservative. When I started speaking out on social media, I just thought I was talking about common sense, how important family was, how important faith was, whatever your faith is, how important that is, how important it is to, to do for yourself and kind of pick yourself up. And like, I thought I was just talking common sense. And then I kept getting banned from Facebook. And I'm thinking, well, what in the world is going on? So I started putting content out on Twitter. And I'm like, why are these conservatives flocking to me? I thought I was a Democrat, although I've been unaffiliated since I could vote. I thought I was Democrat because that's what my family was. That's how I was raised. I had no idea, though, that things that I hold dear were conservative values because no one ever talked to me. No one ever told me. I, I found out just because I'm like, this is just smart. This is just common sense. Why don't we all think this way? And I had no idea that I actually was more conservative. Well, Shamika, I can almost guarantee you, we're talking to Shamika Michelle, folks. Remember the name. Look her up on social media. Follow her. Pick up her book. 
follow her. She is a source of wisdom in a really uh, a vortex of stupid that we are living in right now in this world. We need beacons of light like you. I can guarantee you conservatives will continue to flock to you because you speak the truth. You speak about personal empowerment. You speak about God-given rights and liberty. You speak about empowering yourself and not relying on others and disavowing victimhood. And it's an honor and a pleasure to have you on the show. I really hope you'll come back. Thanks for your time, Shamika. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I'll come back anytime. (laughs) Thank you. Folks, that was Shamika Michelle. I uh, Now you can see why, if you missed the Fox show this weekend, her appearance on the show burned down my email and ruined my whole weekend had I answered <laughs> answer thousands of emails from friends saying, who is that? And I spent the whole day responding, that was Shamika Michelle. And now you heard her too. We'll be right back. That was Shamika Michelle. Follow her on social media and tell your friends about what a really incredible woman she is. Okay, up next, we talked to Jim Jordan, author of the new book, Do What You Said You Would Do. We asked him about the vaccine mandates. What are the internal machine machinations going on up on the hill? What's the, uh, the swamp machine doing about this? He had some great answers and how we can fight back also about the supply chain as well. Check it out. Yeah, here he is. Folks, listen, is drinking from a fire hose time with the news cycle. You got Rittenhouse. You've got, of course, a day to thank our wonderful veterans. Thank you for your service to this country this day and every day. You certainly deserve it. Um, we've got Kamala Harris, Joe Biden, breaking developments, inflation, everything else. And one of the guys in the center of the D.C. maelstrom trying to fight for freedom and liberty is my good friend, Congressman Jim Jordan. Welcome back to the show, sir. Good to be with you, Dan. Thanks. Uh, thanks for all you're doing. We uh, the country appreciates uh, appreciates your leadership on on in so many ways. So thank thank you. Well, thank you, sir. We've been uh, we've been friends for a long time. You have a new book coming out. I want to make sure everybody gets the title because this is one of the good guys here, and I'd appreciate it if you go pick it up. Yeah. It's called "Do yeah. What You Said You Would Do." Do what you now. That's an interesting title for a book, Congressman, because a lot of people <laughs> up on the hill, unlike yourself, um, don't do. Uh, what they say they're going to do. They say they'll fight for freedom and stuff. And we got this vaccine mandate and I don't want to stigmatize everyone. A lot of good Republicans are fighting against these things, but you know, sadly this should be a unified effort against these things. No, it should be. And look, you've been speaking out others. uh, I mean, I have, we got, we got uh, business people who call. I had a a, a guy who called me last week. He's got 600 employees trucking company. And I I asked him, I said, Russ, how how many, how many of your, truck drivers how many of them are, are aren't vaccinated he said half over half and it's like what is that so there's the liberty the fundamental liberty question but there's also the practical implications and consequences of this uh, to our economy and joe biden doesn't seem to care all the the, the the left and all their craziness they just want to keep plowing ahead with all their authoritarian totalitarian uh, policies and yeah we better we better speak out but uh, here's what i think it's it's Courage is contagious. I mean, there's you, there's, there's, there's Aaron Rodgers, there's Kyrie Irving, there's people in the sports world, there's the Chicago Police Union, there's, there's parents who've been showing up at school board meetings. It's growing, and that is a, that is a good sign to see a good thing happening. Um, but it, it, and a lot of it's happening, frankly, because of your leadership. And again, that's, that's why we appreciate you so much. Uh, well, thank you, sir. I, I, I appreciate the kind words. We're talking to Jim Jordan, author of the very soon-to-be-released book. You can pick it up now. It'll be at your doorstep in no time. Do what you said you would do, a principle I wish more would embody. Uh, sir, I think what bothers so many people about these uh, vaccine mandates are that they're, they're so antithetical 
to what this constitutional republic is supposed to stand for. Candidly, they're not pro-science. They're anti-science in the way that they're so broadly applied. I mean, I had a radio host on my show um, not that long ago who was told by his doctor very credibly, the doctor went to bat for him and wasn't making it up and said, hey, he's prone to, um, to clotting and we're not right. sure the vaccine is right for him right now. And yet you have people like Joe Biden and Kamala Harris who Regardless of your politics, we can both acknowledge as a matter of fact, they're not MDs they're not virologists or epidemiologists. Yeah. They can't even do politics, Mr. Jordan. And, 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 yeah. and they're doing a sweeping nationwide mandate demanding everybody get vaccinated. That's not pro-science. That's pro-stupid. No. No, it's 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 pro big government. It's pro control. We had that. We had the spectacle a few weeks ago in the in a committee hearing where Dr. Mark Green, a colleague of mine, a great guy, uh, was talking about the, his concerns with the vaccine, with the mandate, with the origins, all the stuff we've been talking about. He was talking about and then he was followed. Jamie Raskins gave him a lecture and started talking about science. And I, I happened to be the next one up in the hearing. And I said, well, it's interesting that you got the lawyer lecturing the medical doctor on the science of COVID. I mean, this is, this is where it's at. So um, yeah, it's frightening. And, and you add to it, Dr. Fauci and all the misleading things, all the lies he has told us uh, over the last year and a half um, and no accounting for natural immunity. I mean, th- that's one that just gets me. Everyone else accounts for it. We know instinctively that, that when, if you had COVID and got through it, your immune system is strong. So um, it, it, as you said, it's anti-science, but it, it certainly is. Uh, all about control, and that's what these guys are after. We're talking to Congressman Jim Jordan, author of the upcoming book, Do What You Said You Would Do. Um, one last thing on this before I move on to other other. What bothers me about it, too, is how's the, how the media stigmatizes um, guys like you and me and, and other patriots out there who, who believe in things like liberty and freedom, hopefully not antiquated yeah. ideas. This, the, the effort to stigmatize us with, with nonsense, you know, Neanderthal type labels like, oh, you guys are anti-vax. Like, where do you get you? Yeah. you you're literally just making that up. There is nothing I've said. I am not a vaccine scientist. I had lymphoma. My doctor thought it was a good idea. Right. I get vaccinated. I've never hid that fact from my audience. I don't now. I'm not anti anything. I'm anti stupid. And this mandate is not based in science. And it's clear that the media is telling a story, Congressman, not the story. They're just adding fuel to the fire yeah. here. Right. You're 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 pro freedom. That's what you are. And that's what this country is supposed to be about. I mean, more than any word, when you think about America, you think about freedom, the ability to set goals and chase them down and make them happen. And yet you get labeled with this all. But that's that's the press. I mean, that's who they are. Um, they, they, they lie about everything. The, the thing I keep coming back to is this, this Fauci guy, and yet the press makes him out to be some, you know, right next to Jesus. And it's like, right. Fauci knew on January 31st, 2020, he gets an email from a virologist who he's given our tax money to over the years, Dr. Christian Anderson. And that email says virus looks engineered virus, not consistent with evolutionary theory. Now that is a fancy way of saying this virus came from the lab. And what did Fauci do? He went into full tilt overdrive to cover that up. And for the next year said, Oh no, no, it didn't. It didn't come from the lab. It was a bat to a pangolin to a hippopotamus to Joe Rogan. And then we all get it. I mean, so it's like this is craziness. So we can't point out that stuff. No, they're just going to call us names when we when we try to highlight the facts and the truth and the science. But I I think the American people get it. They see through it. And, you know, in spite of the. No, I think so, too. They see through it all. 
Congressman, listen, you're in you're in the business of politics. I bet sometimes you wish you weren't, but you are. You're in the business of politics. Politics is the projection of power based on what people will get behind you collectively to, you know, and, and support you with. The polls are not in their favor. It's clear as day. Just look at yeah. them. But I, I want to ask you a couple other things. So you're up on the Hill uh, living this every day. Again, I bet sometimes you wish you were anyplace else. But we had this dreaded, uh, you know, fake infrastructure bill, which was loaded yeah. with a bunch of pork. It had some hard infrastructure stuff that candidly I think were local projects, not national projects. But that's besides the point. We don't have the money, Congressman. We're going right. through an inflationary crisis right now. The government is printing money. The Treasury is issuing debt-denominated instruments. The Federal Reserve then prints the money and buys them. This is monopoly money now. Um, yep. Why... What is it with these 13 Republicans? They wouldn't that that supported this bill. They wouldn't yeah. even hold their votes from what I was read from what I read in the paper long enough to let the Democrats sort it out on their own side. I, I mean, yeah. how are we going to win if this continues to happen? No, it is. It is very frustrating, uh, particularly, the, as you said, those who had my understanding was uh, talking to our leadership that they had promised to hold their votes until after the Democrats put up 218. And if they couldn't, then, you know, no deal is not going to pass, which is exactly what we wanted, which would have been best for the country. But they went in and voted early. Like, it's like, come on. So um, it is frustrating. It is wrong. Um, Let's just hope Joe Manchin and Senator Sinema hold out on this next bill, because as bad as this one was, and it was bad, the next one coming, I mean, it's it's not just the two trillion in spending that's coming next. It's it's the policy. It's the bad energy policy. It's the tax increases. It's the continuations of the Democrats. The Democrats' economic policy is maybe Dan the dumbest one I've ever seen. The dumbest economic policy in history because it's basically lock down the economy, spend like crazy, pay people not to work, and then for everyone who is working, we're getting ready to raise your taxes. Such a deal. It's, so that, that's how right. stupid these these guys are. But that's what's coming. So let's hope let's hope that Mansion and Cinema hold firm because I think they got the votes unfortunately in the House. Uh, to pass their this this next one, uh, it's going to come down to the Senate. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. We're talking to Congressman Jim Jordan, author of the upcoming book. You can order it now. It'll be at your doorstep in no time. Do what you said you would do. Um, amen to that. I agree with you that the the illogic of this is transparent when you read what the bill is. So what they want to do is juice the economy, in, in their words, with a bunch of social spending to give you money and then in turn suck the exact same money, Congressman, out of the economy via the biggest tax hike we've seen in decades. It's yeah. Again, it, it makes no sense. And you're, you, you being up there, again, living there every day and experiencing the, the hill swamp environment with these folks, is your sense that Manchin is going to hold the line? I have an Axios piece I'm going to read later on the show that apparently the headline inflation number yesterday, which was outrageous, yeah. the highest in 30 years, has 30 him spooked year, yeah. a little bit. Do you think he's going to fold at the last minute? I mean, I, I, get, I know the reading mind things is tough, but. Yeah, I'm optimistic. I'm actually just as optimistic with uh, Senator Sinema. I actually served with her in the House a few years back. And, you, wow. you know, I don't think it I don't think it helps you. Uh, helps your cause when you follow someone into the restroom and start filming them uh, trying to I, that's typically <laughs> right. not the best way to persuade someone just like when the democrats their their their, their election camp uh, their election message a week ago was uh, uh government smarter than parents and maybe we we should get rid of the police that's not what americans yeah. really want and so i, I don't think that's going to work i hope cinema holds firm i think she will and i'm, I'm optimistic about uh, joe manchin but you know we'll have to see how it all shakes out talking to congressman jim jordan author of the uh Soon to be released book. Do what you said you do. Congressman, um, I got to let you go, but I just want to say one last time, you know, when I ran for office, folks, 
the two of the hardest interviews, you, you know, you want endorsements, so you go interview with people. The hardest <laughs> interviews were Senator Mike Lee and Congressman Jim Jordan. And I have to tell you, to this day, I tell everyone this, you behind the scenes are the exact person you are in front of the camera. You ask questions that were, you are such an advocate for life, for the pro-life movement. And uh, I walked out kind. of that interview and I was like, man, this guy knows his stuff. So you did us wrestlers and grapplers proud. You're a good man. Well, uh, thanks for you your time. Too. And best of you luck with too. the book, too. All, All right, right, thanks, Congressman. thanks, thanks a care. lot. Take care. You got it. There you go, folks. He's the real deal. I went through that interview with him, and I was really, I was impressed by the depth of knowledge and understanding about the liberty movement and the defense of life, most importantly. You don't have life. You don't have anything. We don't defend life in the womb. You don't have no taxes to pay, and you don't got to worry about school choice because you ain't even there to make those decisions. Life. Got to defend life. It's the very essence of conservatism. That was our interview with Congressman Jim Jordan from the radio show last week. Thanks for tuning in today. You can hear me every weekday across the country and over 300 radio stations. Go to Bongino.com and click on Station Finder to find out where I'm on near you. And always, uh, I always appreciate you listening to the podcast as well. Thanks for listening. I will see you all on Monday. You just heard Dan Bongino.